And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That is correct. This is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are, yes, here talking about your resurgent, unstoppable, sort of, mostly, for the uh, you could do worse, Toronto Blue Jays. I'm excited to talk about the big weekend series here against the Philadelphia Phillies, as well as looking ahead to what's to come. And there's no better person to do that with than the Athletics' own Blue Jays reporter, writer, journalist, content creator, extraordinaire, Caitlin Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Back so soon. I feel like I just saw you. (laughs) We're all all about it. We are are one after another, relentless in our coverage of the Toronto Blue Jays. How would you you describe yourself? Are you a Toronto Blue Jays reporter? Are you a Toronto Blue Jays uh, journalist? That's kind of not, not anyone would use that term in that way. Yeah, I think typically I would say I'm a Blue Jays reporter or like I would say in the general sense, like I'm a beat reporter, baseball beat reporter on the Blue Jays team. Um, I mean, if someone was to say, what's your occupation? I would say journalist. But then if someone said, well, what do you specifically do? Or like, oh, you're a journalist. Like, what do you cover? I would say, oh, I'm a Blue Jays reporter. Fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense to me. If you want to read Caitlin's journalism, if you want to read her reporting, if you want to consume the content that she creates, (laughs) I cannot recommend highly enough subscribing to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spin rate. We'll give you a tidy deal if you sign up for the year and let them know that we sent you so we keep being allowed to do this twice a week. I don't know if you've noticed that. We do it two of these a week. That's why Caitlin was saying we just spoke on uh, what was Thursday. We talked about the state of things, and now we're back with more soup of the day talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. And if you do like Spin Rate and you want to get what it is that we're offering, I cannot recommend highly enough that you subscribe to the show wherever it is that podcasts show up in your life, on your device. If you're a Spotify person, you can do it there. If you're an Apple podcast person, you can do it there as well. And any other podcast player of your choice, search up, search it up. Spin rate, like, subscribe, rating. These guys are awesome. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just saying. Just, just put it out there. These guys are awesome. I don't know if I would go as far as to say that with the Toronto Blue Jays, but they are, as we speak, here Sunday evening, hot on the heels of a series defeat of those accursed, <laughs> very aged Philadelphia Phillies. The Blue Jays are... Second place 
in the American League East. They are tied in the loss column, but three back in the win column of the first place Boston Red Sox, who lost here on Sunday via the magic of Shohei Otani, who hit a significant home run with two out of the ninth inning off of uh, Red Sox closer Matt Barnes, who went on to dub or refer to Otani as the most uh, physically gifted player the game, their game has ever seen, which is hard to argue. He is ridiculous. But so are your Toronto Blue Jays. Got off to a fast start against former Blue Jay great Chase Anderson here on Sunday. Uh, but there's a lot to chew on. I think I think that the the win the win puts us in the right mindset to talk about maybe the issue du jour for the Blue Jays, which is the bullpen maybe showing some cracks, some you know a little bit of reflect refractions of reality kind of getting in to the Blue Jays bullet formerly bulletproof bullpen but um a couple of um under you know not ideal performances from Tim Meza this weekend for example Ryan Baraki having to miss a couple starts with a tired or a dead arm uh you know a, a starting rotation that is pitching well but also leaving the bullpen with a lot of work uh, even Jordan Romano here, who's been pitching well and being well imitated by Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, uh, looked to have a bit of an issue, was kind of working it out. But there's a little maybe opportunity for for concern because the Blue Jays' bullpen has been such a rock-solid part of, the se- uh, of their success this season and that maybe it's been stretched a little bit too thin and is only going to continue to get stretched thinner and thinner as these injuries kind of mount up. I don't know. Is, are, are you, Caitlin, maybe more concerned with injuries or more concerned with, you know, underperformance or poor performance as it relates to some players who may have been overperforming a little bit before? I think that I would be more concerned, or I think the bigger problem is the injuries in the sense that they've lost a few of their most solid guys. So like Rafael Delis was really pitching well for a while there. And then he's been on the IL for the last little bit. David Phelps was probably one of the most, if not the most veteran arm in the bullpen, really solid, like middle to late inning guy that can almost always give you at least an inning of good work. He was really pitching well for the Blue Jays. Um, so those are two huge guys to lose. And then you, obviously you mentioned Ryan Baraki, who had been really good, um, had been a guy who could probably give you four outs, which was a huge asset and, um, they lost him as well. So I think what we're seeing here is a little bit of just some, you know, in baseball and probably all sport, you hear that common phrase of like next man up, next man up. And, and it's, sometimes can be a rallying point for teams. It certainly, you remember a couple years ago, and that was a huge sort of slogan for the Yankees because they really kind of embraced that. And the Blue Jays bullpen has kind of leaned into that mentality this year. And it's actually like kind of a bullpenny type mentality because bullpens do are an, a position that does see a lot of turnover. Um, you do see a lot of injury. Um, you do, do see guys um, get hot for a while and then, you know, cool down or it's just a, it's just an area of a roster that does tend to have a lot of turnover. So like a next man up mentality is really um, one that has always lived a, as a reliever. So So the Blue Jays have leaned into that a little bit, but I think you're just getting to the point where you are leaning on guys 
that maybe you wouldn't have leaned on. Like someone like uh, Jeremy Beasley is coming in there to get the final out. Obviously, he just had to get the final out. Jordan Romano got the four outs, I guess it was, and he just had got through too many pitches and the, the team didn't want to push him, especially because that slider wasn't really working for him. And um, he was pitching on back-to-back days. So it's like, don't push him. He got, you know, the worst case scenario here is that something happens to Jordan Romano. They can't lose another <laughs> arm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you're leaning on some guys um, that maybe you typically wouldn't. And I think that that, to me, is the sort of bigger issue. Like, you know, Tim Mays is an interesting name because I think the other night, I guess it was Friday night when he came in the game, it was sort of an ideal scenario for a Ryan Baraki to come into the game, I thought. But obviously he was hurt. He'd gone on the IL. And so, you know, Tim Mays has been a solid arm for them. Is Tim Mays like a high, high leverage guy? Maybe not so. Um and but he's being pushed to be that guy right now. Um, so they were really missing a power lefty arm like Ryan Barucki has become. And so I think that's sort of showing the cracks a little bit. The good news is, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. The good news is though, I think Dolise will be coming back fairly soon. If you've been watching the broadcast, you've seen Ben Wagner's reporting and the sort of the videos they've shown of Dolise throwing bullpens and live BPs and that sort of thing. So I think that he will be back barring any sort of unforeseen events on um, Tuesday. And there was some optimistic news today about Ryan Barucki from Ross Atkins. They, he did a, Ross Atkins did a call with the reporters on Sunday and they said that the, uh, they're fairly optimistic about Ryan Barucki. I believe they're actually called journalists, Caitlin, excuse me. He did a call with the journalists. Or the, (laughs) Or the beat reporters, <laughs> whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, so what, what I was saying was that Ross Atkins um, basically said, I, I mean, I'm not a doctor, I'm a journalist, but basically <laughs> <laughs> Ross Atkins said that the injury is lower in the forearm, forearm area as opposed to in sort of the elbow region tendon. So that's mm. an optimistic sign for them because it's, Maybe a mild strain. And they actually, Ross expects um, Baraki to just be that 10-day minimum or in and around 10 days, which is a good thing. You never know with the Blue Jays. Obviously, we've had conflicting reports with some injuries and that. But um, I guess that's what you want to hear. And it goes to, A, the whole, the entire way that, that bullpens are built. And I saw some people, I think it was uh, Joe Sheehan, he, he, the, the newsletter originator himself, talking about just how, We've completely gone away from guys pitching three days in a row, you know, across baseball. And even back-to-backs are like, you know, you you brought it up as a, a noteworthy event because it's just sort of the thing that doesn't happen anymore. That the just the nature of the game, the nature of the role, the how the, how the whole game is wired is just a little bit – there needs to be that layer of protection because, you know, you can look at the way that the Blue Jays – um, bullpen is broken down this year and, and there's no substitution for depth. There's no substitution for doing what is, what you can to keep, to keep players healthy. Uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. There was also some news about, uh, Anthony Castro, um, being maybe, was that today? I mean, I think it was this weekend. There was some news that Anthony Castro is progressing well and also, um, uh, Tom's Hatch. Uh, so yeah. help, help, maybe if it isn't like ready knocking on the door, but help is on the way. Yeah, actually, like, Hatch is a good point because I wonder how he'll be used. I think the Blue Jays actually sort of lean and really liked him as a starter in the spring. And I'm sure there will be sort of a dual temptation of 
they like what he can do as a starter or they would like to see what he can do as a starter. But obviously, if arms keep going down in the bullpen and they are short on arms, they might have no choice but to ask him to pitch from the bullpen, which he did fairly well last year. Um, And so that will be a kind of a... uh, But at the same time, they also kind of need another starter. Like, they don't really have a set rotation yet. Anthony Kay has stepped into that role. He got an opportunity this weekend to have that traditional start. He probably fared better than he has in recent outings. Um, Definitely like a positive step for him, but it's still kind of a fluid um, fifth spot, I guess. Even even the Ross Stripling one is kind of like, he's still kind of fighting for that job because Ross Stripling probably is more, if they have a completely healthy rotation and, you know, they get another guy like a Nate Pearson and then a Hatch or a K or someone, you know, steps up, then Stripling is also a guy that you could, um, put in the bullpen because they could use that length as well. If nothing else, it gives you options. If there's nothing, if nothing else, Thomas Hatch gives the the team a chance to think about who they have and how they can best deploy them to get through whatever is the next you know mile marker that that you're trying to say. So, is giving Thomas Hatch the ball every fifth day going to be more advantageous for us? Where where then we can use Ross Stripling more frequently in shorter bursts. Uh, uh, is is Anthony, is Anthony K maybe better off kind of really airing it out and taking advantage of that velo- that high that big velocity that he seems to have? I mean, big velocity like I'm turning up my nose at 97 here in 2021. Like that's nothing to sneeze at. But can you turn a guy? Can you? So I guess the question is: Can either of those guys become more high leverage guys, or are they are they more bulk guys? And which kind of gets back to your Tim Mesa question, which is: The Blue Jays had a nice setup set on their hands with a variety of player pitchers who could go into high leverage, but having lost at, for, at, to, as of today, you know, in this moment, being without Baraki, Phelps, Dolis, Julian Merriweather, those are four guys that you could have penciled in as the highest leverage guy at any point in the season i mean tyler chatwood is sort of kind of next man up and uh to to use your term and jordan romano as well but having four or even five high viable high leverage options is a sure a lot it puts you in a lot better position than having one or two or none so it'll be really interesting to see the way that they sort of work this as as some of these these pitchers uh, uh return to health uh again assuming that the the other players aren't going to be the hurt next, which is not a safe thing to assume at any point, is it? <laughs> no, not with this team. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
The Blue Jays did score a bunch of runs this weekend. I guess we, I know you, so I, we I, or naturally would want to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who did hit home runs in three consecutive games, who um, drew a couple walks and, and after, again, having a bit of a slump and then coming back and hitting a home run and then kind of maybe not slumping. It's, it's so funny because the, already the, the barrier for him is so high. Mm-hmm. Where if I look at the box score, if I'm not watching the game, or if I'm watching the game and I, he hasn't like capital D done something, I'm like, oh, he's slumping again. But then it's like, oh yeah, he hit three home runs in three days. So you know, I was thinking about this as it relates to Otani as well. Where it's like if you if you go one for five with four strikeouts and a home run, you're still the greatest baseball player of all time <laughs> if you do that every day. Even if you do that every other day, <laughs> yeah, it's you're funny. Still, you're st- yeah, it's funny with Vlad because it feels like everyone is still kind of like on edge. Like, is he breaking out? Is is he a star? Because there's been two seasons of Vlad where he wasn't quite living up to that potential. And so it feels like fans really wanted to lean into like, yes, Vlad is like our team's slugger. He's our star. He's the player that we wanted him to become. But then every time like this little slump happens, everyone's like, oh no, is he hitting the ball on the ground too much? Oh no, are we going back to like when he was hitting the ball on the ground too much? Like I remember even in your like, um, newsletter a couple of weeks ago, like you kind of led into a trend of like, is he doing this? Is he doing this? Is it the dreaded like ground ball rate? And it's, and so I, it's funny though, because like, you're right. And, and for a player to go through like an 014, like slump over like um, four or five games or whatever it may be is like nothing. That's like, that happens all the time. We don't, you mm-hmm. don't dig into numbers on every single guy usually because you're, you're just not paying attention. And so some, some guy, uh, you know, like even like a Randall Gritchuk earlier this week, I think was like, Oh, for 14 or he was in a little slump of his own, but it didn't really get that much attention because of like, that just happens in baseball that it happens to guys. That's just a week. Right. Mm-hmm. But with Vlad, we're all, everyone is just on like high alert to like him being an absolute superstar. And then when it like stops for a little bit, everyone just gets nervous. Like, Oh my God, is it, was it just a flash in the pan? Has, is he not like, is he not the guy? And then he hits three home runs in a, in three games. It's like, okay, no, Everyone exhale, exhale. Vlad's still doing his thing. It's fine. It it is it is interesting because every hitter in baseball slumps. And and if you follow me on Twitter, you see I, I've mentioned this multiple times about how Mike Trout never slumps, like never, ever, ever. Even like a month long slump for Trout happens never. And I, I I don't know if I talked about this before in his whole career. So he's been playing since full time since 2012. He's had four months with a weighted runs created plus like calendar months less than 99 like less than 100 one of those was 12 at bats two of them were in 2011 when he was 19 years old playing in the big leagues so he has had in his in his career he's had one month below average and his weighted runs created plus that month which 100 is average his was 99 he still had like a 360 weighted uh, or uh, on base percentage because he drew like 25 walks in the month and then just didn't manage to hit a bunch of home runs now he's not normal right mookie betts you would you, at the beginning of this season in the in october of last year uh, in the off season you said who's the second best player in baseball and most people would probably have told told you mookie betts unless they were from boston and they or or now la and they would have told you he's the best player in baseball, Mookie Betts is having like a very ordinary season, like a 120, 125, 115, whatever. I, I don't have it in front of me. But like Mike Trout just doesn't do that. And and the thing about a guy like Trout, which is which is 
which is the reason I mentioned this because it doesn't seem beyond the realm of possibility for Vlad to get there, where it's just like boring, where you look at the box mm-hmm. score if you haven't been watching the game and you're like, oh, he was on base twice tonight. Every single night, all year long. And and the way that Vlad does it is just so insane. So that it's if he doesn't hit a ball through somebody or have oh, his, uh, one of those ground balls to short that was at 117 miles an hour, like it's par for the course. But it's all, I, I, so I get why people are, are, are like, ooh, kind of wanted to hold back. And like you said, you know, any hitter, even the best hitters, Trout and, and, and Vlad are no different. They can get themselves into little spear, like little spurts where they're having, but they've got bad habits where you saw Vlad when he was still hitting the ball hard, hard as ever most of the time. But sometimes he was just hitting like kind of lazy ground balls to the, to the left side because he was maybe reaching a little bit too much. And then I, in my brilliance, said like he should maybe try, like not, he should try to go the other way, but it's something to watch for. And then he had one, he dumped a little single into right field. And the next game he had a bomb mm-hmm. to right field. It's like, okay, he's fixed. Yeah. All is well. But uh, speaking of bombs, he had a massive home run here on uh, on Sunday. He had an, uh, another great one of those to that little right field porch, that Beau Bichette porch out there in Dunedin. <laughs> um, but but we could talk about Vlad all day long. Let's do what you wanted to do. And let's talk about Marcus Simeon, who is having himself quite a nice season so far. Yes, he is. Um, he started off pretty slow and he looked a little bit, out of sorts the first couple weeks where he was in that leadoff spot because the Blue Jays didn't have George Springer and they were just, you know, using him there. Charlie Montoyo liked him in that spot and it didn't totally suit him or didn't look like it suited him. At the same time, I remember him talking in spring training and even maybe early on in the season. And I do recall him kind of hinting or suggesting that, he might be a slow starter or that, like I remember a quote in spring training where um, Bo Bichette talked about how everything he was doing was to be completely ready on April 1st, game one, opening day. He wanted to be peak Bo Bichette. And I remember Marcus Simeon having the more perspective of like, yeah, you want to get ready for the start of the season, but also April's kind of a time when you're still working through things. And so he kind of almost targeted like, end of April, May, that's kind of when he wants to really get it going. And if you look at the um, progression of his season, that's really when it started to come along for him. And I remember like it kind of coincided with him moving down in the lineup. So sometimes you can read into that and say, oh, okay, maybe now that he's hitting like fifth or sixth, maybe that was just a better spot for him or ease off the pressure or whatever it may be. You never know. Like with baseball, some things are just coincidental and some things do have an impact. But then you've seen him move back up to the lineup and he's continued to be their best hitter or one of their best hitters outside of Vlad. Um, And so, yeah, like it's been, um, you know, and he's also very like, um, sort of like quietly going along. He's like that quiet professional where he just like does his job. And I obviously I'm not seeing him cause I'm not like around the team, but everything you hear is that he, he arrives to the ballpark quite early. He puts in his work. He's very good leader, clubhouse leader. Even when he wasn't hitting well, I remember asking Boba Shet about him a couple of days ago and he was saying that even when he wasn't performing well at the start of the year, you couldn't tell, like no one could have, tell that he was slumping or not getting off to a good start because he's that like sort of like the quote-unquote same guy every day which is something you hear a lot in baseball but 
it 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 is big, especially for a veteran guy, especially in a young clubhouse. You have Marcus Simeon coming in. They don't have George Springer, and he's coming in and he's kind of leading the way and being that guy, consistent. And now it's paying off. I mean, he's been everything and more probably. Like for eighteen million, I think he's probably uh, delivering exactly what the Blue Jays wanted him to do. And I think probably offensively, he's actually been a little bit better. For sure, I don't think that anyone. Again, when we, if, you, if you went back and roll back the tape and look at some of the stuff we would have talked about at the beginning of the season, um, given the fact that he he plays an important defensive role and which he's done very very well um, in in twenty twenty one, I think you know league average or slightly above would have been like yeah that's plenty you know you you know for his sake you think this is he's this is a platform year for him so he's going to want to you know really. Um, go go all go all out and really put on a great show in terms of what he can do, but uh, you know for for his next team, which I'm going to go out on the limb and say probably won't be the Blue Jays. Just I'm just guessing. Yeah, but they Get could money, Marcus Simeon. But they could um, they could benefit a bit if they gave him a qualifying offer, and he didn't. True. and he didn't take it, and he walked. Understandably, mm-hmm. to get paid, but then the Blue Jays would still get that um, draft pick compensation mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. actually like it it could end up being a really savvy signing for the blue jays it could it could be that already if he keeps up this pace and then whether or not he stays in toronto fine but they could also just give him or offer him the qualifying offer he doesn't take it they get the they get the draft pick and if he does take it then you're getting him for like something around 18 million again or whatever it may be i don't know what the it'd offer be, will it'd be. be crazy to think there wasn't a team willing to offer him um a player like him a multi-year deal if he's able to sustain being a strong defender at second at now second and short uh, and someone who's a league average or above performer um, you know he's 30 so there's probably in baseball that's he might as well be dead <laughs> but at the same time you know he has a lot of utility and, and I would assume that a guy at his position or in his position might be might hold on a little might like the idea of getting a like a multi-year deal. I mean, even think about what Josh Donaldson was, right? And, the, mm-hmm. and how Josh Donaldson took four years and yeah, and uh, quite happily, and he's even that little bit older, and then and obviously gets hurt um, a lot more. But uh, the way that Simeon has performed, yeah, I don't think that he's an ideal leadoff hitter. He doesn't, especially here in May when he's been good. He doesn't walk a lot because he's mm-hmm. hitting the ball hard. He's putting a charge into it, hitting over the fence. So why walk when you can do that? But he's just like a good hitter. He's a, he's a he's a solid. It's it's the word I I can't believe I just said that. Solid is like the my least favorite you know adjective for an athlete. But he ticks all the boxes. He's a he's a strong runner. He is a good fielder. He has power, and he doesn't embarrass himself at the plate at, at any time. He doesn't look overmatched. He's never going to be overmatched. He's uh, again on a good team. Is he a, is he a leadoff hitter? Well, he's been a leadoff hitter on good teams before, but maybe the Blue Jays have somebody else who's better suited to do that job. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it's so important. And I think you think back to the early days of April and compared to how many runs the Blue Jays are scoring now. And I think you and I may have spoken about this last time, which is to just not have a hole in the lineup. It is so valuable to have competitive at-bats all the way through. To have guys who have the potential to do damage at any position in the batting order, whether or not they're good, bad, or indifferent hitters. At least put a put a bit of fear of God into the picture at some point because when you've got those holes, it just it really makes it that much more challenging, especially in 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 today's game where so much is reliant on on the home run. 
um, and really putting a lot of pressure on every pitcher. So you don't have to do that. Right. You you can be good to go. Now I know that you you had you found it interesting. I was trying to look at his um his home road splits because he had some. I don't know if choice words <laughs> is, how, is how I would describe it. I would say he had uh, he had some opinions on the ballpark mm-hmm. there in Dunedin. Do you want to do you want to read that quote? Oh yeah, let me pull it up. Well, I actually asked the question not for it to be soup. I I wasn't really asking um, how do you feel about TD ballpark or anything like that. I actually just asked. Um, more in the context of that they have actually played a ton of road games. Uh, they've played the mm. few, they've played the fewest home games. I think it's only about 14, which is the fewest mm-hmm. in the majors. And so I actually just asked like this is your last home stand um in Dunedin and uh, your longest one and is it is, how do you feel about just being in one place, being at home for this um upcoming week? And um then he went into this quote, um actually I have the audio clip right here. So let's play it. Well, that's a tough one to answer. I enjoyed being on the road this year, actually, just because we're playing in big league stadiums. Um, It's a little different here. I do enjoy, you know, the Tampa area, the Needham area, living here off the field. But, you know, I think a lot of us wish we were in a big league ballpark. So, um, yes, when you go on the road, you, you, you may get booed or no cheers for you, but it seems like that's how it is here in Dunedin too. You know, there's a lot of fans and of uh, other teams. So it's, I personally, I don't think playing here is a relief or whatever you want to call it. I, I just enjoy, you know, living in the Tampa area, I guess. Now I wonder where he's coming from with that. Did he expand on it at all? Well, I think actually his main point, what he was m- making there was just that the home stadium hasn't felt like home because You'll hear on the broadcast, we've all heard, like, the Blue Jays will make a misplay or the other team will score a run and you'll hear cheers erupt, right? Like, they've played the Yankees there. Tampa Bay um, area is a huge um, Yankee hub because of their spring training home. I actually think, mm-hmm. like, even the Rays have had issues sort of having Rays fans because the Yan- there's actually a lot of Yankees fans in, in the Tampa area. And then you have mm-hmm. – they played the Braves there a couple – um, you know, just this past week or so or whatever it was, or no, I guess the Braves were when did they, whatever they played the Braves there and they did. <laughs> I'm getting confused between when they played them on the road and when they played them at home. But anyway, when mm-hmm. the Braves were there, um, you heard a lot of Braves fans. And as you know, like there's just Braves fans everywhere in America and Florida would be a place where they would definitely be. And then the Phillies this past weekend, of course you're in Phillies country there because of Clearwater is right beside Dunedin and Clearwater is where the Phillies have their spring training facility. So there's been, whether it's just coincidence or or bad luck or this was going to happen regardless, but you have had some teams there that do actually happen to have sort of like fan bases in that exact area with the Yankees and Phillies, especially. And Mm -hmm. I think another part of it where she got, he went into a little bit more was just the conditions at Dunedin um, stadium. Cause it doesn't have the second deck. Like it's a spring training ballpark, right? It's not mm-hmm. meant for, mm-hmm. it's not meant for big league games. So you don't It's have meant to, for spring training in high A, right? That's, you, that's well, low, a now, I, low A now. Low A now. Yeah. Nothing makes, it makes sense anymore. I'm going <laughs> to screw that up all year. But so yeah. So the wind, the wind gets in there cause it doesn't have the second deck. It doesn't have the protection. Then you, we've already seen the sun impact the game so much that the blue Jays moved the start time in the evenings to later to kind of, um, get closer to sundown or 
whatever, although like the days mm-hmm. are already going to get longer. So, but they're, they're leaving Dunedin soon. But I think that was, it was all rolled up. And so like there's the fans not being there and, um, or the Blue Jays fans not being there. And then like the elements that are impacting. I feel like the elements thing might be, is probably the bigger of the two. If, if you push, if we were held, if we strapped Marcus Simeon down and gave him some truth serum, it's, it's probably not as lush or as fancy. I mean, the Blue Jays clubhouse is nice at, at the Rogers Center, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, I don't, I can't imagine it's like the nicest in the league, but they, they did overhaul it not that long ago. So it's pretty nice. And, and, uh, but just the 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 factor of the of the ballpark, right? I, it's, it would be hard to get your mind right. Whether or not the fans are there supporting the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays are always going to be. It's always going to be tough for them because Canadians can't travel to the game, so they're playing. They're almost like an expansion team in in a way, you know, while also not being an expansion team. So, I mean, I can't imagine Buffalo is going to be too different. The beginning of the season, yeah. you know, uh, they'll be when the Yankees play in yeah. Buffalo. It'll be Yankees fans. Yeah, I think and, you'll get and, and, some and, more Blue Jays fans mm-hmm. when it's like another team there like Miami I think is when they open to um on June 1st they play a two-game series against Miami like potentially there's going to be more Blue Jays fans than Marlins fans there that Mm -hmm. series just because there are ties between the Bisons and the Blue Jays and you know Bo Bichette Vlad were only Bisons a handful of years ago so Mm -hmm. you do see that community kind of rally around the Blue Jays a little bit and I think Buffalo um is Team seems to be the more excited community about having the Blue Jays there. I think Dunedin's a little bit more of a sleepy town and they're a spring trading kind of town, whereas Buffalo does seem like they're actually, I know some people in Buffalo and they're really excited to actually get to go to games this year. So I think they're a bit actually excited mm-hmm. to have um, major league games happening there. And I do think they'll root for their sort of quote unquote home their, team. Their surrogate <laughs> home team. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how how it works. Considering last year when they kind of were able to um, clear the decks and there wasn't anybody in the stands, so they were able to make a lot of space available to um, to the players to to spread out and not feel like they're in AAA. So that should be that'll be interesting as well. Hopefully, you know, still fingers crossed that there might be the opportunity to play baseball in in Canada at some point this year. Maybe maybe not fingers crossed. I don't want to lose him, but hopefully, hopefully. What else? What else are we going to talk about? I got one more thing. We got we have one more thing before. Oh, I guess that's the bullpen thing we talked about. That uh, they've got some. Well, one thing I was going to say actually, and, and it, it's the, the note here about looking ahead. They've got the Red Sox and the Rays. At home, mm-hmm. as part of that 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 series, some of you folks, you young people, don't remember what it was like in the bad old days when the Blue Jays would play the Red Sox and the Yankees, especially after two thousand and four. That every Red Sox game was like a Red Sox home game at the Dome at the Rogers Center. It was insane, and the Yankees I, fans yeah. too. They used to come in droves to watch the Yankees, especially after two thousand and nine when the Yankees won the World Series. The last time they won the World Series um, was two thousand and nine. That's a long time ago. It's weird. I haven't even thought about that for a while, but like now, yeah, now that you say it, like even, I mean, not that I was covering the team back then, but even like 2018 and 2019, those series are really packed with Boston and Yankees fans. And they're always those like 
premium tickets or like premium weekends, like um, tickets are more or whatever it is. Um, but they used to offer the tickets to the Red Sox fans before they offered them to Blue Jays fans. <laughs> <laughs> they got in a lot of they, well, they didn't get in a lot of trouble. No one actually did anything. Nothing matters. But uh, but yeah, it was it was wild. There was, used to be tons of Red Sox fans and Yankees fans, and it seems like it might have gone down. The Blue Jays have, uh, have I think picked up some popularity. Obviously, 2015 and 2016 did not hurt that in the least. But those are important series to to mm-hmm. face the Red Sox, and I know that there might be some concerns. Again, we talked we touched on the bullpen pieces. Red Sox are a team that can score a lot of runs, and the Blue Jays are a team that can um, maybe have a bit of struggles with the with the with the pitching if if the bullpen is not where it needs to be, and the starting rotation has has a few question marks. Robbie Ray pitched um, pitched pretty well. He got touched for uh, for three home runs today. But uh, still managed to do Robbie Ray things. Struck out nine batters and only, mm-hmm. I guess, only went five and two thirds through 112 pitches on Sunday. Yeah, well, was that first inning really labored him and only one walk. That's still only a good one trend. walk. Robbie Ray, only one walk. <laughs> He's like a new man. He also had 25 swinging strikes today, which is bonkers. He's good. He's good. Grunt it up, Robbie Ray. Let him know. Um. So yeah, the uh, the Red Sox series is is big. Bo- uh, the Rays have been playing pretty well. Rayish baseball, they're they're still a little bit behind the Blue Jays in the standings. But this is what it's going to be like, right? These they're they're three. Wait, one, two, four good teams in the American League East, and they're going to play each other a lot all season long. And uh, and as I I stand by my prediction, my prediction looks good. I didn't that that the, the Red Sox are going to ruin somebody's summer. They're going to ruin one of these teams' year, and they're mm-hmm. they're well on their way. They're well on their way to ruining all the teams' years by <laughs> by I winning mean, the division. Yeah, they're going to be. Whether well, I think they're still, I, I think they still have the best record in baseball, or has someone I don't know win loss record or like winning percentage? They might have the best winning percentage. Sure. I think yeah. they're they're twenty. I think they're twenty five and seventeen, and the Blue Jays are twenty two and seventeen. So, yeah, that makes sense because I think I calculated if the Blue Jays were to sweep them, that they would be tied in the wins. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite-free. You see that? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One thing I want to talk about, actually, when we talked about maybe there'll be baseball in Canada, uh, was people getting vaccinated, including you, Caitlin McGrath, vaccinated this weekend in Toronto. Uh, yes. How was that? It was a good experience. I went to a pop-up here in the east end of Toronto, and um, it was a really organized, honestly, like, pleasant experience it was outside it was a nice day there was music playing they had a dj everything was so organized initially it looked like there was a lot of people and so it was like how long is this going to take but then you started to sort of see how the line had formed and how they were organizing it and they really just efficiently moved lines very quickly and um the whole process basically took I would say like an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, like from start to like very finish, I was completely done. And this and was a walk-in, right? You didn't have an appointment? Yeah, this was a walk-in. I didn't have an appointment. I saw a tweet, shout out to Vaccine Hunters Canada, who are doing great work. Um, throughout this, I saw a tweet from them this morning about um, a clinic or a pop-up clinic that was inviting anyone 18 and older um, in Toronto with an M postal code could go there today. And so it was close enough to me. Um, shout out to my parents who were able to drive me. <laughs> uh, so you said this is in East end of Toronto. So it was in Pickering. <laughs> no. Ajax. Oshawa. Beautiful East York. So anything East of the river is one of those four places. If it's East <laughs> of, if it's, you live East of the Don river, you live in Ajax. Uh, that's great. Congratulations to you for getting the dose for doing what needs to be done. Um, I Saturday night went was working at a vaccine clinic that was that ran for 32 consecutive hours. So they started uh, at uh, one or one or noon on on Saturday, um, which is later. Ordinarily, they would start they the, that clinic at the International Center in Mississauga started uh, usually really early, but this one started at uh, noon and went all the way until uh, just about an hour and a half or two hours ago. And uh, the, they we vaccinated. I would say I don't know the official number. I don't want to speak, but it was in the neighborhood of five thousand people. Um, oh, I've got it here on my phone. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna divulge it. So yeah, in the neighborhood of five thousand vaccines were given on on the weekend, and it was initially just people that live in Peel Region. Then it was extended to people who live and work in Peel Region, and uh, initially weren't taking walk ups, but then they were taking walk ups. I don't think. Uh, blessedly, there you know, while it may have caused a few sl- slower lineups, um, we're not in a position, I think, where we could be turning anybody away. If someone's willing to come get the COVID nineteen vaccine, I think they should. And I'm I'm glad to hear that you went. I'm glad to hear the the city of Toronto ran that very successful clinic. They were trying to get as many as ten thousand people through that clinic today, which is awesome. So when you went, you went and sat down, and then they, the, the the immunizer came with a cart, and they, they and you sat there. Is that how it worked? Or did you go to them and then went and sat somewhere else to like recover? 
There was like several different seating sections. So yeah, you went in, you registered, Mm -hmm. and then you went to another line where then there was all the um, volunteers and nurses and everyone that was um, vaccinating. People were set up in little stations at desks. So you sat Mm. beside them, you Mm. got your vaccine, and then you walked over to another area where you sat down for your 15 minutes. So um, yeah, so it was very organized. Everything was so efficient. There was I couldn't even tell you how many volunteers were there. There were so many table set up and I mean they were vaccinating a lot of people and it was very quick like even when I was kind of going through the lines they were kind of like be be prepared this line goes fast and like you kind of every time you were at another area it was like you waited um, less than a minute and they were like hey go over there go over there go over there very Mm -hmm. efficient um all the volunteers were so, so nice and kind of reminding you, do you have this? Do you have this? Okay. Did you get your email? You know, so everyone was um, such a pleasant experience. And I think that's really important because I think there's a lot of people can, that can be really nervous about it for whatever reason and mm-hmm. getting needles. Uh, you know, some people are very anxious about that. And um, it was just an entirely pleasant experience. So efficient and obviously a feeling very uh, a huge sense of relief after to just get it done um, because you want to you want to have your vaccine. Your your experience is very similar to the one when I got mine. I got mine uh, maybe a month ago uh, where I went in and same, it was same sort of model uh, except it was all appointments. So it was I was there for like thirty five minutes at the most mo- maximum thirty minutes where they ask you to line up ten minutes before your appointment. They do the health screening, went in, and then again, kind of sign in. Yep, you're good. Here's your health. You show me your health card. You did the screening. Go stand over here. Then you go to the immunizer, and then you go and you sit and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place I was, I was on Saturday at the international center was a little bit different. It's it's what they call the hockey hub model, where it's more about they bring everybody in and they kind of you know, you get shepherded. And once you have registered and then you've done the health screening, they bring everybody in. They're in a bunch of lines, and then they once there's a seat, they bring you over to the seat, and then you. you you sit there, and then the immunizer and the regist- person who's doing like registration on the from the clinical team will like sc- ask you one last set of questions. Right arm, left arm, they do everything, and then as soon as and then they go to the next person, and then the immunizer pulls the cart, and they're like bop right in the mm. arm, and then you just sit right there. You don't have to move, and then fifteen minutes you get up and you go. So they say that that mode has a potential for more throughput. You can get more people through, which is which is great. So if you are able, if you are comfortable, again, that, this is a this is a podcast about baseball, but it, but this is something that affects all of us. And if we want to be out and watching baseball games uh, together at the at the Rogers Center at any time soon, I hope that if you haven't or have not yet had the opportunity, you can take it. These the big clinics like the one that Caitlin and I described are uh, great, especially for folks who maybe don't have the some of the, or aren't as or don't have to worry about some of the barriers or some of the confidence issues. But I know in all the communities in Toronto, in 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 Mississauga, Brampton, uh, Durham, York, all around Ontario, all around hopefully Canada, there are lots of community run clinics that are run by run in, in places where marginalized people may, might not feel uh, a great deal of trust, might not have a great deal of confidence in the vaccine or in, in you know, government-run medical uh, operations, which is totally understandable. So if you, if you, if you know someone that's, that's feeling that way, just take a quick look around your community. There's always tons of really great community initiatives, really doing stuff on a smaller scale, places that aren't you know, worried about doing 5,000, 10,000 shots in a day, but, but places that are close to home, places that have people that you know and trust in your community. So if you ever have any questions, I'm not an expert, but you can always send me a message or, or whatever, and I can help to get the resources that anyone might need if they want to find out where those things are in their community. I would love to do that uh, if I could. 
So that's a positive thing, right? We're we're feeling better. How are you feeling? You feel good though? How's your arm sore? A little arm soreness. That's it. My arm Man. was sore as hell. I hated <laughs> it. And then and I was tired the one night. Now that I was good. Yeah, was good. just just the arm soreness for me. And I think that's mm-hmm. entirely expected. So it, it is expected, and, and again, it, not only for the for us as uh, uh, if you're a fan or if you're Caitlin and, and you are a, a journalist reporter who uh, who follows uh, who follows and, and documents the games and want to get back to doing exactly you know doing your job the way that you love to do it, which is you know getting out close, getting building those relationships. Um, if you want to make our community uh, a safer place, we have to be careful because you know the Yankees had a, a, and the Padres both had. had cases outbreaks and, and cases within their within their team um not not the team but often the support and traveling staff um uh, for a variety of reasons i know i noticed i don't know was it this series the one before where the blue jays were wearing masks in the dugout again like even the guys that were playing in the game i found that really surprising because uh because we can't uh we can't let our we can't let our guard down we still have to uh, do what's right and then and, and do what we can to control and, and stem the spread of this uh this still raging uh, pandemic unfortunately it's always it's, it's crazy you know we you go and you get your shot and you feel good and you're excited about the future but we're still in it so here's hoping we can continue to get the shots in the arms continue to like break down those barriers and make sure the people who need it and want them can get them and people who aren't sure maybe we can help to bring them around to understand uh, the value and the science so if we all do that we all do our part maybe we can be watching uh, some exciting september meaningful baseball Featuring your uh, second place Toronto Blue Jays, it's pretty good. We'll take that. We'll take that as a sales pitch for uh, for being for doing the right thing. Come the end of the year, right? Right. Right. Caitlin is excited. <laughs> you, what, Caitlin? What do you got for the people this week on uh, on theathletic.com? Anything? I mean, you, I'm sure you got lots of, lots of stuff. But lots any, of stuff. anything you want? Any any spoilers for us? Any any teasers? Mm, nothing about the splits this week, which is disappointing. Hard. A fo- hard act to follow last week really set the bar high if I say so myself um but yeah this week I think I'm gonna work on something I think we're at the if you can believe it quarter quarter mark of the season um and so I think I'm gonna do something about that where the blue Jays stand at the quarter mark so look for that later in the week look for that later in the week Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe to the show. Enjoy these important games against the dreaded dreaded, and dreadful Red Sox and Rays. Uh, could be a huge week here as we get into late May. Hard to believe, late May. But her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. I'm going to talk to you next time on Spin Rate.